Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another, another, the last exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Season 3. Welcome, everybody, and uh, we are concluding uh, the show with our uh, final thoughts on Satan, God of this world. Last week, uh, we had Christians uh, come together and talk about their thoughts. I want to thank everyone who came. Uh, Mac Attack, uh, Dale, uh, David Russell, thanks for uh, coming in and standing uh, your ground. We are going to uh, begin this show by quoting some of what they said, and uh, we'll have some discussion uh, of that. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do this via audio clip. First of all, let's just introduce uh, the panel for today. We've got uh, Darren. How you doing, Darren? Excellent. Uh, okay. Doing there good. There you go. Uh, Andrew, how you doing? Yo, hello. Good to be here. Brian with a Y. David, thanks for having me as always. Every time. And of course, uh, last and least, uh, not not least. No, definitely Matthew. least. <laughs> good day, sir. How are you? Yes. The, the, the first will be last and the last first and all that stuff. I'm sure that something like I that. I don't believe you, but thank you for having me. <laughs> We uh we wouldn't we wouldn't have started the show without you. That's a lie. Yeah, of um, course it's a lie. Everybody knows that's a lie. Come on. Let's see. I uh I realize that my video is not on right now, and I don't want to leave. Uh, Choose virtual background. Choose. I don't. Hide non-video part. Choose start video. Start video. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. It's me. No eye patch. No hair. I was just about to say digging the hairstyle. <laughs> uh, I just told him a little off the top. Um, so we're going to start with that uh, audio clip. For those of you who do not uh, remember the show uh, or remember some very specific things. So this audio clip, it'll last about uh, seven minutes thereabouts. But I think it's important uh, to get uh, the whole thing in context. And then we're going to do a little bit of round robin and uh, talk about it. So everybody ready? Here we go. <laughs> like, here we go. Satan goes by various names in the Bible. Beelzebub or Beelzebul, the devil. Satan is also called uh, the god of this world or the ruler of this world from heaven that rebelled against God and sinned against them. Some of them were imprisoned in hell. Uh, others were let loose upon the earth to basically attack God's plan. Some people say Satan himself, his domain was the world or the entire universe itself. God delegated that to Satan. Satan and his demons also seek to destroy the servants of God in various ways, spiritually as well as even physically. My purpose is to present the biblical view of who Satan is described to be. He is a supernatural being. He is not local. He's called the deceiver of the whole world. He's not just constrained or restricted to one geographical area. He's a murderer. Psalm 103.19 says the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So there is no ambiguity about who rules everything. It's 
It's the most high God. God rules the universe. This is Satan, right? And he's a disembodied. Ontologically, he's, an, he's a fallen angel. And among those are other fallen angels, evil spirits, right? So they are all in the same category in terms of who they are. I believe the Bible's uh, story about the origin of Satan. The work of Satan and demons, what is it they do? They blind unbelievers. They seek to nullify the preaching and advancement of the kingdom. The final category of demonic possession evidence is taking uh, five categories of evidence from Dr. Ian Stevenson, who's probably the world's expert on evidence for reincarnation in, in uh, Hinduism and that sort of thing. And I think that his categories of evidence are best explained by positing demon possession rather than reincarnation. He is powerful than any human power. He's an accuser. He's like a roaring lion. He goes around looking for someone to devour. He entered Ju Judas and caused him to go uh, sell out Jesus. He is a person. Jesus talks about seeing him fall uh, from like lightning from the heavens, you know. Jude 6, where it talks about uh, God, uh, the angels rebelling and singing against God, and then he locks them up uh, down into the bowels of the earth or into hell. First John 3, 8, that says, you know, Satan sinned from the beginning. He was an angel who sinned and, and fell with them. Sinned from the beginning uh, implies a temporal thing. It's not that he was created sinful, saying he was created perfect. He was like every other angel. He was uh, had his dominion and that sort of thing. And he rebelled. We know for a fact, scripturally, that it was before uh, the creation and fall of human beings. When I said that I was going to talk about the biblical view, I wasn't saying that my view is the only view. In Daniel 4.17, it says the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. Is Satan a god? This is where you have to get technical a little bit so that people don't get confused. It just means it's Elohim and it means a disembodied spirit. So any disembodied spirit um, in the Bible is always like they call it a god. So you're saying that because the vocabulary is limited, right? Yeah. That it's a figure of speech. So like there's a spiritual aspect to it where it can be like a disembodied spirit is seen as God when it really isn't. The um, people having um, near-death disembodied ex experiences are gods in the way that Paul meant it here. Disembodied spirits are called gods in some way too. Is he a prince? Is he a ruler? Is he a god? The answer to all of that is yes. So our job is to figure out what they meant and how they understood it, not how I would understand it. So you think that Satan is an actual literal disembodied spirit, right? He's supernatural, yeah. Anything that's ruling derives its authority from the Most High God. God delegated it to him. I, I see it more as like a usurped authority. You know, he's perverted by his order. Who did he usurp it from? God. Once he fell and, and uh, sin, once the fall happened and sin entered into the world, you creation itself was put into bondage to Satan. He, he has control uh, through his demonic power and satanic powers to control the world. And God is obviously permitting this, this usurpation to happen for his own divine purposes. It's not like Satan was literally stronger than God and, and took, took it against God's will. 
demonic spirits impersonate these gods and use it for satanic ends. And people would have been tempted to worship like uh, an evil spirit, like that demanded you to sacrifice your child. Satan is in heaven, everything is perfect, and he rebels. Does any Christian know for sure why Satan sinned? The answer to that is no. Satan was oriented, Lucifer's not his proper name, uh, but Satan was uh, oriented towards God and goodness and moral goodness and everything like that. It's impossible for there not to be this temptation or for crazy. If you have free will creatures, that's necessarily entailed. After all the angels made their free will choice, all of them had libertarian free will, the ones that stayed in heaven and the ones that fell. After that, they, their souls were crystallized or sealed in the state that they freely chose. When we get to heaven, it's, 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 it's not just going to be one activity, like how atheist is going to be. It's going to be boring or anything. It's going to involve more things about reality itself that God has prepared that no mind right now can conceive of. But yeah, I don't think he has... Uh, I, I think some people inflate his power. I don't think he does communicate with me. When we're talking about possession to the unbeliever, I think that that could be a possible way, a possible power, so to speak, is being able to uh, control someone's body. What are Satan's powers? Second Corinthians 4, 4. He is blinding the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of Christ. Satan can influence that by making your desire for something else that is contrary to what is good. So like he can like uh, set up circumstances in terms of like, uh, I, I'm not saying I, I don't know how he does this, but like, like set, set up desires, like temptations in your path that you will fall for. The way that's common to my experience is that go uh, turn on the television, and see violence and see all sorts of pornographic content. Where where do we see Satan's hand in anything? I need you to workflow how the devil from where he is to where I am gets me to do anything or but influences I, me in any way. Like the answer that I give you is not gonna be satisfactory, but I'm still gonna give it anyway, all right? So like you have Satan, he's in the spiritual realm and we have us here. So, like, in the spiritual realm, there are things going on there. And we don't know fully how it relates in every aspect of our life, right? Can Satan possess people today? Yes. Yes. Okay, we got two yes. Okay. The spiritual realm has to do with things that pertain to, like, what we as humans uh, spiritually uh, crave. Like, just, in, like... I would say that this pertains more to believers as opposed to someone who is not Christian. So like when Paul talks about spiritual warfare, he is adjusting it to Christians. If, if there was nobody influencing us from the other side, would we have possibly made better choices? Would we have done better? Hmm. I would have to still say no. God had a purpose in sending his son. He wanted to demonstrate something about his character. Even though there were sinful beings that were dealt against God and fell and that sort of thing, there's, you know, the, the, there wasn't a war at that point. It, it, there was no, nothing to fight over because it, God had already dealt with them. So, so yeah, the war began with beings uh, with the fall. The world that we have where Satan demons exist is overall better than a world that didn't have Satan demons in it.
terms of the overall value of the world, else God wouldn't have created. All Okay. Um. Oh, um. Let me let me say a couple of things just by way of introduction to the conversation. Um, and I've heard this clip before, but it's um. It's a lot uh, to take in. So if, first thing is uh, any audio uh, issues or distortion issues uh, completely. <clears throat> accidental and not not intentional at all also uh some of the uh, uh cuts might sound rough and forced but this is not an attempt to take things out of context in fact we wanted to make a particularly longer clip uh to include more of the context and the real context is the entire show that was done last week and so if you worry that something has uh, been taken out of context you can listen to the show. It's uh, it's up there. It's on the internet. It's it's not coming down anytime soon. So uh, give it give it a listen. And uh, finally, before we jump into this discussion, it's important to say uh, that uh, this is not uh, an attempt to mock or belittle uh, any of the people on the Christian panel. Uh, they're fine people, and they did a, a good job in presenting. Uh, their material. That said, I am a polemicist, and I do believe in ridiculing the ridiculous. It's important that we are able to separate um, ridiculing, ridiculing people and ridiculing ideas. Um, and so I don't find any of the people um, worthy of ridicule or scorn. Uh, I wouldn't have them on the show if I, if I did. That said, uh, I'm going. We're we're going to have a fairly gloves off approach um, for the rest of the show about the ideas presented. Uh, and so, with that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw it to Andrew for the first bite, um, because I know that you had uh, a thought or two, and so I'm going to let you get yours in before everyone else jumps on it, because <laughs> you're probably not the only one who had the the idea that you had. So uh, take it away. Okay, let me echo first that uh, I created that clip and the reason that there was audio distortion uh, is, is a mistake that I made uh, last night in the final hours of putting this together. And uh, so my apologies, I simply didn't have time to correct the problem. David's absolutely right. There's, there's no attempt uh, as a result of the audio artifacts uh, to fun or ridicule or in any way diminish or belittle the people uh, that were uh, that were used in the clip. So uh, thanks to all of the Christians. Uh, I consider most of you friends. And, uh, and there it is. That said, I want to start perhaps uh, with something that other people won't start with so that uh, so that maybe we can all pick different parts of the clip. I thought it very interesting that, uh, that Dale suggested that we are both uh, in bondage to Satan, Satan 
has been given this world uh, as as his plaything, and and yet Satan is also a usurper. And uh, I just want to ask: Does it sound like does it sound like a reasonable? I don't even care if you call him good. Does it sound like a reasonable God? Who puts what is currently close to uh, seven and a half billion people, or maybe maybe we're pushing eight? Now, I'm not sure. Does it sound even reasonable or an all-powerful God to place all of us in subjection to a usurper? Okay, well that, that was uh, actually my first choice. So don't worry, I have another one in my back pocket. Um, Apologies. You're not sorry. Um, so the, so the thing is, uh, God is, is bad at personnel, uh, human resources in heaven sucks because even if you say, well, you know, Satan before he fell, you know, he was a good guy, human resources delegated the entire universe, <laughs> to Satan, and they didn't do a very good background check to see if he might be psycho, you know, <laughs> see if, if things might go wrong if we put this much power in this guy's hand. And, um, you know, I don't even know what it means that God would have put, in, put the care of the universe in Satan's hand before he sinned anyway. Because if the Christian idea is true, we are the only people in the universe. So the only interesting part of the universe to be uh, in charge of is the human sector. And apparently Satan had already fallen by the time the human sector was created. And so what does it even mean that Satan would have been uh, given charge of the universe before he sinned? That's not possible. The timetable doesn't work. But even if you make it work in your head, Canon, are you freaking kidding me? A background check, a $35 background check could have could have dealt with all of this. <laughs> so sorry. Not sorry. Um, <laughs> it's going to be that kind of show. I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew, Darren, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> just someone saved me from myself because. Um, well, I listened was to. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Hang on, it wet my throat. Advertisement. Hobgoblin beer. Hobgoblin beer. Yep. Yes, I listened to the the Christian show, and I, my impression coming away from it was that the whole devil Satan character is completely incoherent. There isn't a, a as a as a literary device, the whole character of Satan feels like an afterthought. It reads like an afterthought. It's not cohesive. It doesn't work very well with the story. There are far too many holes in the plot to plug in Satan to make the story. In fact, True to his name, the whole devil character completely destroys the entire story because it introduces far too many problematic scenarios. And listening to the Christian show 
just didn't help me at all getting a picture of. I heard various conflicting uh, ideas and suggestions come out. There wasn't a, a single narrative from any of the Christians that, that matched the, the other. Stick to talking about God Christians. You've got it nailed much better. You've still got problems, but just ignore Satan and just talk about God. Your whole story will work an awful lot better. But that said, you need the devil, and the devil really is a child's fear-mongering uh, character. It is literally the the um, the boogeyman in the closet used to control a, a child that's been blown out of all proportion and created into this something that adults now need to fear, and it simply doesn't work. There is just nothing in it, and the bit that really killed it for me and this is a bit that I really took away from it and this is something that taps into my whole deconstruction story that is this whole stupid idea of free will because it is a ridiculous idea but Satan and free will simply do not work we heard on the Christian show how Satan um, misguides people he intentionally gives people wrong ideas he intentionally distracts people he, he intentionally takes people away from God by giving them lies and misdirections so that they are led into, forced even, if you will, to believing and doing completely the wrong thing. So I personally have been told by Christians, not on the Christian show, not by Christians on the Christian show, but by Christians on Facebook, on other social media sites, on blogs, whatever. But it's been told many times that one of the reasons why I don't believe is because Satan has got into me and has given me wrong ideas and has misguided me and has led me astray and that God is trying to call me back, but Satan is distracting me and has got me into the wrong train of thought. Okay, fair enough. Let's assume for a moment that that's true. It's bullshit, obviously, but let's assume for a moment that is true. Who is responsible for punishing me for being misdirected? The Holy God the God that loves me, the God that is supposedly my perfect parent. And what's again, and what is my treatment for being unintentionally misguided, for being outside of my free will, led down the wrong path? And so my reasons for believing in the wrong things are because I've been misled, because some other entity that I have no power over has given me the wrong ideas, has intentionally led me down to believing the wrong thing. And because I've been intentionally led down the wrong thing by some evil entity, the Holy God is going to punish me for that, as though it's my fault, because it's my free will to be um, to be led down the wrong path by some um, character that is intentionally leading me away. What part of that makes any sense at all? The whole thing is utterly, utterly incoherent. And that is the bit that took me away. And that bit alone, as far as I'm concerned, is enough to scoff in the entire idea of Christianity, not just the devil. That's me out. Okay. All right. That's, that's cool. I see that, um, that we're both going to need some therapy after this. Uh... <laughs> Stacks of it. Stacks of it. But so I've got a glass of it here. I'm, I'm good. Darren? Um, yeah, I got it. Um, as coming from a, someone who's never been a Christian, really, um, it 
the whole Christian mythology sort of strikes me as being a little incoherent as well. As uh, Matthew pointed out, the whole idea of libertarian free will is, as far as I can tell, logically impossible on a, on a basic logic level and impossible under the Christian mythology where you've got a uh, connection to God making you do good things and a connection to the devil making you do evil things. Um, and But as far as Satan goes, it seems to me that Satan sort of gets a bad rap through all of this because he's still working for God. Um, if you think about it, he's apparently he's helping God save as many souls as, as is possible. Um, it's sort of like when the Christians vilify Judas. Well, if Judas hadn't betrayed Jesus, then there would be no uh, resurrection. So he had to do it. He was basically working for God and, <clears throat> And so the Christians want to vilify him for that, uh, for doing his job. And it just seems to me that when you have an all-powerful God that is uh, supposedly created all the rules, and you've got a, um, a world where uh, Satan controls the physical part of it, you almost have to think that God actually wants it that way. So to actually vilify Satan as if he's some evil person when he's doing what God wants him to do just seems, I don't know, counterproductive, hypocritical, uh, I don't know, choose your word. Um, and then you also had the problem where um, if you look at Satan from the people that actually worship him, you get a completely different being. Um, uh, I mean, all of this, all of the descriptions of Satan are from the Christian perspective, but that's sort of like getting the, uh, what uh, the uh, Jewish people are like from the Nazis, you know. Um, it seems to me that if you really want to know who Satan is, then you go to the people that are actually worshiping him. So, those are my initial thoughts on the whole thing. Ryan the Wise. Those were all excellent points by all of the panelists. I would have picked any number of those uh, to be my lead if I went first. But I will go to two things. Uh, one is um, the concept that all the Christians used for evidence for the existence of Satan. It was all 100% the Bible says so. You know, when David tried to push them into the real world, workflows and what have you as to how you can uh, identify Satan, acting in the world, they all bristled at the fact that you were actually asking for evidence that was testable in the real world. Uh, it made me think of a great uh, analogy that um, Tracy Harris uses on the atheist experience, where she talks about uh, there are you know, supernatural gremlins that help to make her toaster work. And you know, she says that, look, I put my toast in, I plug it in, I push the button, then the gremlin does his thing, and look, out comes my toast. There's no way to separate or to isolate or to identify the supernatural gremlin in the process of making toast. But you can identify all of the actual natural steps of plugging it in, pushing the button, watching the heating element heat up that shows how the toast gets made. The gremlin is completely grafted on and is not necessary, not identifiable, not falsifiable. It's doing nothing in the explanation of how you make toast. That was how I felt about hearing what Satan does in the world. He's tempting us. He's putting obstacles in our way. 
he's changing our thoughts or he's not changing our thoughts because he can't do that. None of these things require a Satan. I am perfectly possibly tempted by, you know, a third beer, uh, an attractive woman walking down the street you know, and a jet ski that I see, you know, at the, at the sporting goods store. I don't need Satan to be tempted by any of these things. Satan is just grafted on top of what we know works naturally in certain ways. So if you want to actually identify Satan in the world, you've got to isolate him and you've got to show me where he is and what he's doing. And if you listen to what the Christians had to say about what powers he has and how he manifests, they actually disagreed quite a bit. And in fact, didn't know in a number of ways how he worked. But they were all perfectly happy to say without hesitancy that he does exist and that he does act. And that disconnect, I think, is the large, large difference between how Christians are reasoning about evidence and how skeptics are reasoning about evidence. Yeah, you know, when you've got a smart panel um, and then you let them go first, uh, you end up uh, feeling like you've been mugged because <laughs> all your all your stuff is gone. Um, but uh, that's okay. I've got I've got one that I know that no one <laughs> was going to pick. I had it since last week, actually. Truth be told, uh, I didn't comment on it uh, overly much. Then I haven't talked about it on the board just so I could spring it for this moment. <laughs> so um, it's, um, it, it was the part where I was asking, um, when did the spiritual war start? And I know that that felt like an insignificant question at the time, and I allowed it to uh, die as an insignificant question just to kind of put a marker in it for later. And now we have later, but the answer that all of them gave, and I, I kind of wonder if they all gave it because it's what they think or if they all gave it because the first person said it. But the answer that they gave was that the, the spiritual war started when uh, at, the, at the garden, the garden of Eden. Now, this is an interesting idea, just theologically speaking. Let's, let, me, let me have my one theological moment. <laughs> um, that's not what I believed <laughs> uh, growing up. That's not what um, I believed at all. Now, we didn't talk a whole lot about spiritual war. We weren't those kinds of Christians. But my understanding uh, all through growing up, and I never had a different understanding through the various denominations I tried, was that the spiritual war started uh, before Satan's fall. It was the, it was the fall of Satan from grace itself that was the beginning of the war. Um, so before I finish this thought, I, I just want to ask Andrew, who, uh, who had a similar religious tradition for part of his time, how did you understand that? When, when did the spiritual war start? Was it just when humans did their thing or was it when the fallen angels did their thing? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to answer just, just a moment of humor when you think about the passage where Jesus uh, says he, he saw him falling from heaven. And, and David Russell said last week, uh, he, he's a person. Jesus saw him falling from heaven like lightning. Um, is that what people do? Do they survive? Did he have a parachute? 
was he waving his arms? <laughs> it, it was it was a uh, it was a it was a moment of laugh out loud for me, right? Uh, Satan falls from the heavens like lightning, and and immediately preceding that, uh, David Russell says he's a person. Okay, how did I uh, how did I see the spiritual war? Yeah, when did it start? Okay, so in my view, however long it started before the Garden of Eden, it started before the Garden of Eden. Yeah, why? Okay. Uh, because the serpent, that traditionally, traditionally thought of as some sort of embodiment of Satan, right? Um, the, the serpent represents evil. So either it started before the Garden of Eden, or God just didn't notice that this dude was wandering around wrecking things uh, you know, <laughs> before Genesis 3.15. It, it has to be before the Garden of Eden because they were cast out. It's like a third of the angels. There's a whole army <laughs> that, we're, that we're talking about. Um, there was a, a rebellion, uh, a failed coup attempt. But th somehow that's not considered the spiritual war. I don't. I have no idea what they're talking about. But the thing that stuck in my mind was uh, Dell's very specific explanation of why it couldn't have been that time that I'm referring to now. And it is because God threw Satan out of heaven. And in Dell's words, you you could hear it in the clip. God, Satan had been dealt with. God dealt with him, took care of it. No war. And so Satan being left to corrupt this new creation is God taking care of it. So I want to ask that, a question there. This is, you and I talked about this in front of the show uh, because we talked a lot last week. Uh, about these things. It seems to me that, that the question that Christian doesn't ask is at, at the moment that, that Satan is in heaven and he becomes covetous, right? And, that, and there's this acknowledgement in the Christian show that, that Satan's will is somehow weak at that moment, right? He's, now he's, he's coveting whatever he's coveting, you know, the, uh, the pretty angel next to him or God's throne or whatever he's coveting, it doesn't really matter. So, so he's his will is weakened, and, and now he's coming. Could God have propped him up right then? Could God have reached out as a loving God? Because he saw that Satan's will was weak in this moment, for whatever reason. And, and have propped Satan up, have, have simply rescued him from himself. And by rescuing Satan, have rescued all of us. But this conversation, I don't know exactly what it's going to take from here. Um, I've got some thoughts that may come up later. Yeah, well, uh, I think. Go ahead, Darren. I'm sorry. I just... Actually, before you go, Darren, I just want to close out my uh, thought because I had a rentus interruptus there. Um, my oh, blood pressure was about to go up, and then, and then you stopped me. <laughs> I want my blood pressure up. Um, I <laughs> now I've got to work up the rage again. I don't. I. I, I don't have the moment. Uh, look, it. I. What you're saying is is a natural follow to the question, but it it deserves some 
at least a few moments of reflection at the very least from Christians. God supposedly took care of the Satan problem before humans came on. Now that's what I understood Dale say that there was no spiritual war before humans because God already took care of Satan. He took care of it. Now, when a mob boss takes care of it, <laughs> it's, take, it's, it's taken care of, you know? The, the guy is not coming back <laughs> to fuck up your business. It's, we got it. It's taken care of, <laughs> you know? Um, we know how to take care of a problem. Um, God takes care of the little Satan problem, and Satan still manages to usurp control of the fucking universe. That's what it looks like when God took care of it. Um, come on. <laughs> Try harder. Uh, message to Christians. Try These ways harder. are mysterious, David. Well, come on, you just don't get it. Well, the problem is, is that you're assuming goals that Dale's theology doesn't actually assume. You're assuming that uh, God is competent and capable and able to actually control his creation whereas dale's theology that's not the god he's talking about he's not talking about a competent god or anything he's talking about a god that sole purpose is to save as many souls as possible and in order to do that he needs the devil to exist in the world so when he took care of the devil and the devil uh, took over the universe in dale's theology that was the whole point because god needed the devil in order to save as many souls as possible and as screwed up as that sounds to anyone who's sane, uh, that's how Dale's theology works. So when you criticize God for not being able to do these things, it's you're criticizing God's actual plan, which I think is probably fairly valid because any plan that involves the devil and uh, temptation and that kind of thing is kind of a shitty plan. So let me let me throw it back to Andrew real quick. There's a natural follow-up to that, but I'll uh, I'll hold it. Um, Brian, did you did you want to uh, jump in before Daniel pushes forward with what God could have done about the Satan problem? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, Darren brings up a great point, which is at the end of the day, you need to know what the the base the base goal is. And in, in, in listening to the show, it, it was it was striking to me how they would be worried about making a coherent story, but only a small C coherent story. Like it wouldn't take other things into account. So once you start talking about God meeting Satan and, and God couldn't save as many souls as possible without having a God of this world tormenting us for a millennia or however long it's going to be, God loses his omnipotence at that point, right? He really can't save more souls without this evil being. So that means that God needs Satan. God is not perfect without Satan doing what he's supposed to do. And once you start going down these rabbit holes, they start changing the circle that they're making coherent. So if you look at the big picture, it's not coherent at all. But once you start pointing out these problems, you, you move on in the conversation to another thing, talking about how you can rescue omnipotence by saying this, that, and the other, when you don't even realize that you've just overturned what you just said five minutes ago about something else. Uh, and, and one place that this was entirely striking, uh, and again, this is, this is no personal attack on Dale. I always appreciate him coming on and saying what he says. 
but he was talking to you, David, on the show about how Satan usurped power from God. Then five minutes later, he was on the chat telling me, no, 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 he didn't usurp. He thought he did. So he tried to usurp, but failed. But then God gave him the power. So the point is, 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 is the answer made sense in, in combating what you were saying, David, by saying that Satan usurped. But then when we talked about it for five more minutes on the chat, he realized that Satan being able to usurp anything from God is going to cause a problem for what he thinks about God. So he had to change his answer for what's happening in the chat. And now neither of these things meet and, the, and these things don't get reconciled to each other. So, Andrew, as you I, I, I know that you're about to say something, just incorporate uh, the last words of that clip uh, into what you were uh, going to say. We had, uh, talked about that earlier. I, <clears throat> I gave you a round to bring it up um, and I was going to bring it up myself, but I will I will give you a chance to uh, to talk about it. This is this was the part of the clip where uh, Dell said that actually um, we it's a, a universe uh, without Satan would be a universe that um, save fewer souls. And, and just as some perspective, Dale, Dale's argument is not purely numeric. So it's not saving the most, the biggest number of souls. It's saving the biggest number of free morally free agent souls uh there is a there's a little bit of a distinction and nuance there uh but in 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 his estimation without satan it wouldn't be as good the universe wouldn't be as good as many free agent souls would not be saved and this is this is his belief very explicitly i'm not taking this out of context um so you know i said in my closing statement if i recall Look, if that's the if that's the God you have, and if that's the plan of God you have, and if that's the Satan you have, he he can't do his best work without Satan. I honestly don't care why, because we're too far into the means justify the ends mentality. I don't want any part of that plan. I don't want any part of that God. I don't want any part of that story. Uh, it's it's like saying, well, you know, we we need uh, the Holocaust to to bring about this. Okay, well, I don't want any part of that. Um, whatever, whatever it is you think we need that, that, that gets us, it's, it's outside of my, uh, ethical, um, umbrella to, to countenance. Andrew, go ahead. So there's a thing that baffles me here and, and it has for, for a long time in regard to saving as many souls as, as possible, right? There's, there's some sort of strange reasoning here that says this all powerful God who does end up in the end with some amount of free will souls who are going to be in heaven, right? That, that's part of the story. Uh, some people are going to make it. A whole bunch of people are not. So there are souls who will do enough of the right things to make it better. And this all-powerful God made those souls. Okay. But somehow, he is not good enough, all-powerful enough, all seeing enough to simply make as many of that kind of soul as he wants. So it's as if he, he lost his good soul recipe somewhere in the in the middle of, of making this universe cake. His his soul printing machine is is randomly broken. Makes some good souls, makes some bad souls, and God can't figure it out. 
And when I decided to walk away from Christianity, this was one of the big reasons. That just doesn't make sense to me. That God lost his soul-making recipe. <laughs> now he's got some good ones, and he's got some bad ones. And so I can't see anyone where we can say the universe is better with Satan in it, that God wouldn't have done it if it wasn't better this way, when everything that I think of as reasonable simply says he's got two kinds of souls. He knows how to make those that, that will obey. He knows how to make those who won't obey. And he could have simply made one kind of them. And they'd have still been free will agents because the ones that make it to heaven are free will agents. If he's not all powerful enough to make as many of that kind of soul as he wants, he's not the all powerful that I think Christians are saying. So we've had some discussion about some of the stuff uh, on the clip. I want to expand the discussion um, uh, beyond that. Um, you can get as personal as you like here, but I'd I'd love to hear because we've got a we've got mostly exgens on the board, and then we've got Darren, who's a who's a never been. I want to know about your um, history with the Satan story. Um, with yeah, I'll jump in on this. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was, I don't know, my, my theology and my Christian belief meandered a little bit uh, through my 20s, but I certainly landed on a point where, it, for me, in my Christian faith, it was incoherent to think that the devil and demons didn't exist. So for God, there had to be the devil, Satan, and for angels, there had to be demons, there had to be the... Uh, the opposites. I, I just didn't see how it could work any other way. And I can't remember for the life of me how I got to that point. So don't try to ask me to explain it. But the bit, the point I really want to make is I ended up in a belief system where Christianity was true. Obviously, it was arrogantly the only religion worth believing. And every other religion was a bastardization as a result of Satan's uh, or his uh, demonic minions uh, deceiving or misleading other people intentionally, because why would people believe an incorrect thing about God if they hadn't been deceived by something? You know, that was the kind of literal, very simplistic uh, Christianity that I had. And before you, before listeners jump on me for having a very simple, literalistic Christianity, I was not unique. <laughs> there are plenty more like me still who have that kind of Christianity. It is far more popular than just me. You know, I wasn't a fad. Um, so, and that meant that I believed genuinely that uh, demons could do a miracle just like an angel could do a miracle. And any great act or any miraculous event that was assigned to any other religion was clearly something done by a demon and therefore uh, uh, bad. And any miracle or any uh, 
miraculous act that was done under the name of Christianity was they're obviously done by an angel, therefore good. And it really was that black and white. And there are a staggering number of Christians who hold to that kind of very simplistic thinking. And when you step back from it, where I am now and look at it, it simply makes no sense whatsoever. So that's the kind of uh, theology I had. But to go even further and to give you an example of where this kind of thinking goes, I have been on a Facebook group where Christians and atheists talk. And you know these television uh, illusionists who do peculiar acts and we all know that they're a trick and we all know there's some mechanics in there that's helping them with their trick. Well, there's an English uh, illusionist. I can't for the life of me remember what his name is, but he's done this YouTube video and you can find it where he goes around London connected to a London double-decker bus and all he's got is one hand out holding the top of the bus and he's just going round to touch his bus. And look, come on, we all know there's clearly a pole that's welded to the top of the bus and it goes up his shirt sleeve and he's down his suit and he's standing on it. That, let's be honest, that's how the trick's done. You know, it's really simple, it's not difficult, but obviously it's all hidden in his clothes. And so it looks like he's literally riding the bus by holding it out with his hand. This Christian on this Facebook group literally believed he was doing it by the power of holding his hand. And he said on this group, it was demonic power that gave him that superhuman strength to do that trick. And he would not believe us when we told him it is just a trick with a mechanical device. He simply could not accept that fact. This guy sells himself as a magician, therefore he's got demonic power in it and it's giving him this. This is where that line of thinking takes you and it destroys your ability to logically comprehend things that people are patiently trying to explain you. And that is why I come on podcasts like this. And this is why I scoff and laugh and poke at the whole concept of Christianity, because it takes people to that place of utter, utter insanity. One might even say he was an utter nutter. Um, yes. So, yeah, by the way, you can you can look at YouTube videos that show you how the trick is done. I mean, you can people can you can it's not it's not hard. It's out there. Every trick that you've ever wondered about, the internet is there to expose it if you want to see it. It doesn't actually make the illusion worse. I mean, I enjoy watching a good trickster do their thing, even if I know how it's done. Um, come on, people. It, it doesn't take the power of Satan or a God to do this stuff. Um, Darren. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I was just one sentence. We get accused of, of being cynical about the Christian story, but what Matthew is talking about, it, it, it seems to me, is a, is a Christian that has moved beyond skepticism to cynicism. Because even the good explanation isn't good enough, right? He, he's moved right from, a, well, there's this kind of deception. That, you know, he's got this pole, he's down his sleeve, he's standing up there. Okay, fine. But he's being deceived about the deception. <laughs> and, and so that, to me, is where we leave the realm of, of skepticism. We're often accused of it. We leave the realm of skepticism and become cynics. But 
I think Matthew has given the perfect example. Well, that's where the Christians were last week, though, um, because when when I was trying to push them uh, in and show them, look, all of these things that you're saying that Satan does, humans can do to themselves. We don't, we don't need a Satan. So why do you think there's a Satan? And the only answer is uh, divine revelation. It, it says so in this book that I believe. And so, um, you know, you can, you can look at all of the accidents of nature that might be the proximal cause of some of this stuff, but underneath the surface where you can't see, it's, it's this other spiritual stuff going on. And once you start thinking that way, I don't know how to think your way out of it. Um, because there, you, you're, there is no logical proof. There is no evidence that one can give because no matter what evidence one gives, you can shake your head and acknowledge that and say, yes, and also demons. Because it says so in this book. Well, if a demon tells me that Satan is really the good person and God's the bad person. Uh, honestly, I would be more inclined to believe that because the demon came and told me something uh, as opposed to God who hasn't actually told me anything. Uh, Darren, uh, so having not been a Christian, it's always interesting to hear from you on this stuff. What is your relationship to the Satan story? How, how long have you known about it? What... Um, you know, has it has it uh, fucked you up in some some way? Uh, do you have counseling three times a week? Um, I'm just inquiry minds want to know. Yeah, Satan's one of those curiosities where um, if you don't believe in the good guy, you're probably not going to uh, believe in in his arch nemesis. Um, the uh, my I don't know. You know, you hear about Satan when you're really young. Regardless, I mean, we're still, what, 80-something percent Christian. It's sort of hard to get away from it. Um, but for me, it's always been sort of academic. Um, the um, I, Because the, the whole Satan thing completely destroys the Christian mythology. When you add in Satan, it just completely tanks the whole thing. And I think the problem is, is that um christians the the god the christians want to worship uh there's no way that god would ever create this the world we actually live in so they have to have an excuse as to why the world we live in is the way it is given the god they want to worship and so they have to have a bad guy the problem is, is that they sort of painted themselves into a corner by making God this all-powerful thing. So then you get apologists like um, William Link Craig and a few of the others uh, where they start decreasing the power and competence of God in order to make it work. Um, and so you've got this uh, devil character that keeps getting more and more powerful and the over time and then this and then the God that gets keeps getting less and less powerful i mean it's the same problem that the uh people that wrote superman have you know they make them too powerful so then they have to either cripple them in some way or they have to um uh, lower his power um in order to be able to make good stories and i think that's the same problem the um christians have with god and the devil 
Ryan the Wise, uh, when did you first encounter the devil? So, um, you know, I was a Christian when I was very young, uh, and I would have believed in the literal character uh, when I was young. I definitely believed, uh, as the Bible talked about him, uh, not, not too unsimilarly from how the, the Christians talked about him on the panel. I think as I got older as a Christian, I didn't reject the literal character, but it, it, it became, it didn't matter. I believed in the metaphorical power of my own sin, of uh, temptations, of me you know, being on the wrong path, exposing myself to things that moved me away from God. So if Satan turned out to be more metaphorical, that fit perfectly fine in kind of my more mature um, adult version of Christianity. Uh, but obviously, now that I'm out, looking back, clearly, you know, the fact that it's completely unfalsifiable to determine whether Satan actually exists. So you can throw him in the bin of all the other claims that Christians make that are unfalsifiable uh, and, you know, unisolatable when looking at the world to see if they actually exist. So for my part, uh, I, you know, I was very young. Uh, so pre before I was 10, I was pretty active in the church. Um, I was, I was a bit of a freak, but um, I, I started having um, problems with this, this child's nightmare of a character. When I, when I started asking questions and any, any question will do <laughs> because there's, there's, there are no good answers to any questions about Satan. Um, and so it, it starts to come unravel, you know, um, I think the biggest question that I had, um, is why is there a war? Uh, how is Satan still here? He's, he's contending with God and he's still here. He's still, he God God didn't destroy him with the first blast. I mean, Satan punched God in the face. God punched Satan in the face, and they're still going at it. Is, is that possible? <laughs> Does that make sense? That doesn't, that can't be right. That, uh, that, that particular thought technology broke my brain um, as a kid, because I still had to try to believe in Satan. I still had to try to believe that God was all powerful and God was all loving, and he's not just pretending to have a war, and there really is some kind of spiritual war, some struggle between Satan, but how can there be? How can there be? Um, so I, my thinking of the spiritual realm, are you, are any of you guys besides Andrew familiar with um, a writer named Frank Peretti? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love uh, those books. Yeah. I loved reading those books. Fantastic books. Forget the left behind series guys. <laughs> uh, find those too. <laughs> And there goes my estimation of the Brit. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost my faith halfway through reading the um, Left Behind series of books. And so by the time I actually got to the last book, I was going, oh, it really was, do I have to read this? This is so awful. <laughs> but I would be tempted to read the Frank Pretty books again. It's, yeah, it's been I've, a long time. I've, I would be tempted to read them again. I think I I've read them all them twice. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, and to be fair, I, I never gave the Left Behind series um uh, a fair chance i mean tim LaHaye is a nut job but um that said um nut jobs can make good writers and 
the, the left, the, I'm sorry, the Frank Peretti uh, series, the, there's a, there's a name for this series. I don't remember what it is, but it's, it depicts this present darkness. This present darkness. Yeah. It depicts, um, uh, an underworld, um, a layer of the universe that's kind of overlaid on our universe, but we can't see it. Uh, but it, it's the spiritual realm that's overlaid on the physical realm. And in that spiritual realm, if you could see it, you would see a lot of activity of angels and demons uh, protecting people and uh, trying to hurt people and doing battle uh, with people. And this, this is this kind of overlay of um, the, the mystical world that I envisioned even before I encountered those books, you know, just reading biblical descriptions, reading Paul, this is the, the kind of thing that I, that I thought was um, reality, you know, so that's, a, that's how I saw it. Um, well, obviously that's, that's kind of, that's kind of cuckoo um, because it also dawned on me that there are people who we think of as crazy it, and using that term very intentionally because it's not a very nice term to, to think of people who are mentally ill in this way, but this is how we used to think of them and talk about them. You know, they would see things and hear voices uh, and that sort of thing. But actually they were, they were also just religious <laughs> because that's how I saw the world too. I just thought that I was sane and they were crazy. And at, at some point I realized, you know what? <laughs> my, my vision of what the universe is like in that bag lady over there who keeps trying to bite her elbow, we're not, <laughs> we're not different. <laughs> um, something, something is maybe, um, wrong with that. And so I tried my best to kind of build a coherent Christianity that had some version of a devil, that had some version of a war with some version of a God <laughs> where that the war was still going on. And all of these things were happening in this, this overlay, this invisible overlay. And um, eventually my brain just broke. I just couldn't, I couldn't honestly critique someone else's sanity while believing that way yeah one of my uh, favorite scenes from the frank pretty books is and it, well there's multiple bits that are quite good but one of the scenes that really sticks out for me is where the main characters i think it's the, the vicar or the pastor inside of the first or second book uh, are going somewhere and the angels need to orchestrate this guy to meet one of the other lesser characters so that the, the plot goes on in an interesting way in the way God wants it to be. So the way the angel does it is he throws his sword into the engine of the car to cause the car to break down. <laughs> and <laughs> Looking back now, it's utterly hysterical. <laughs> but at the time, as a Christian reading it, I thought it was just so awesome. <laughs> this is what we thought the world was like. We thought it's... <laughs> It's just so hat stand. It really is. I've got a note from the from the two of you because you've read Peretti and, and other books like it. 
since I left Christianity, I have a harder time reading those books than I do um, uh, science fiction, as for instance, or and especially nonfiction, because there is a there is an amount of willing suspension of disbelief that is harder for me now. Right. So so these these stories about sorting an engine, right? Yeah, using the sword on this engine. But these kinds of things are much, much less believable to me now. And it's hard for me to get to the same level of willing suspension of disbelief to enjoy the stories. And I'm just, as a, as a sort of aside, I wonder if either of you have the same kind of problem. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just, it's a recurring joke between my wife and I, we see certain things on TV, big car accidents, explosions. And I'm just thinking about the sword in the engine and the the voice in my head is saying, your cut rate insurance may not cover this. <laughs> you are a bad boy. You are a very bad boy. <laughs> Things are about to go downhill. Andrew, I know you're trying to be serious. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It's, it's too late. I'm... <laughs> I, the, the short answer, Andrew, is no, because one of my very favorite TV series is Supernatural. Uh, we're working through it right now. We're, and we're, it is awesome. <laughs> it is genuinely awesome. So I love all the three seasons or whatever it is, right? I mean, the thing went on forever. It's great. Yeah, 10 yeah, or 11 seasons. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot. It's, it's worth worth going through i've watched them all except for the last season because i have to pay for it if i want to watch it on um, amazon prime and i'm uh, such a tight wad i'm going to wait till it's free on prime then i'm going to watch it because i'm that much of a stickler to my principles but anyway the that's like no so suspending my the suspension of belief to enjoy this kind of fictional narrative is not a problem for me and in some ways i think i enjoy supernatural far more because i'm an exer it's particularly it is particularly reading for me uh it, it doesn't have to I, I don't have the same problem watching a movie so it's it's an interesting sort of uh it's an interesting sort of thing i have the problem reading but i love the series supernatural and everything like it uh, so yeah i read peretti as a christian and i read peretti as an atheist and i liked it both times so i, I didn't okay, have cool um, to hear. yeah <laughs> Um, it's actually, it, it, it's kind of almost therapeutic after, uh, Christianity because I, I was, um, here's, a, here's a small insight into, uh, my particular brand of crazy. Uh, when I was coming out of Christianity and, and everyone here knows that is not a sudden process at all. It's a, it is a process. It's not a, it's not a moment. Uh, but in that moment, as I was coming around, I, and I realized I didn't have any faith anymore. What I did have, though, was this latent fear. Uh, and it was a fear of Judgment Day. It was a fear of what if Satan's real? What if hell is real? And the thing that would trigger me was uh, train horns. Uh, so whenever I heard a train, because it I was. I would think that's what the final trumpet would sound like. Um, um, and if you know, when I when I'm walking around, and I hear a train. 
I would, I would have a start and I think, oh shit, I chose wrong. <laughs> here, it, here it, oh no, it's just a train. Um, that went on for probably a couple of years. Uh, it, it took me a while before I could enjoy the sound of a, of a train horn. And I've always, I've always liked trains. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a kind of a scary moment for me, a scary time, a leftover of the, the sludge of Christianity in my head and reading books uh, like uh, Peretti or Left Behind or and, and watching series like Supernatural, things like that actually helped to desensitize me uh, to some of that. Now, I know that Christians are hearing this <laughs> and they're thinking, you see, your, your conscience was telling you <laughs> that uh, that this was real and you intentionally desensitize yourself and quench the spirit so you have no complaint this, <laughs> this is how they think there's no way there's no way to talk about this without christians thinking uh that way um, i was using those train horns just for you never mind the minivan going around the, the guardrails <laughs> i i fully those it was just for you I fully expect one of you to come up with a train horn clip, and I'm just going to say in advance, I hate you so much um, for what you're thinking about doing. Um, so, look, let's um, let's start before to you wrap move up. on. Though, actually, before you move on, though, okay. I'd, I'd like to throw something in here as uh, just a, an observation. Why is the supernatural weapon of choice a sword? Why not a crossbow? Why not an AK-47 or an AR-15? Why not a lightsaber? Why is it a sword? And before you guys jump in, my suggestion is because it's a product of the time at which the, the idea was invented, i.e. the Middle Ages. Yeah, no, that well, that is the answer. No one, no one else is going to have a different answer than that. <laughs> that's that's just the answer. Um, that thought actually occurred to me uh, too, uh, probably with my first time reading through Peretti, but also you know Ephesians six, uh, put on the whole armor of God, uh, sword of truth, breastplate of right. What the fuck is a breastplate? <laughs> have you ever put on a breastplate? It's to protect your man boobies. I mean, what? Are, what is? I don't. I, there's nothing in my life that remotely resembles a breastplate uh, of anything. But all of these illusions, of course, are things that they would have understood uh, in the same way that people in that time would have been really impressed by streets of gold. Who wants streets of gold? I want streets of really good concrete that doesn't crack. Uh, gold is a very soft, nasty uh, material. It would never hold up. It wouldn't hold up to walking. But streets of gold just meant, you know, affluence. Look, we've got we've got all this affluence. We're, we used to be poor, but we dreamed of gold, and now heaven is streets of gold. It's uh, it's very much a product of its time. The the amazing thing is that it somehow has made the leap to become a product of our time. Well, okay, uh, I'm going I'm to start the wrap-up process because uh, we have a second show that we're going to do. And you will hear this show first, I hope. Um, you know, but once it goes into podcast land and a few years later, who knows what you'll hear first. But in the, sh in the order of shows, you will hear this show first. 
And I am going to warn you now, as we get ready to make closing statements here, you probably don't want to listen to the second show. I don't know why my audience isn't bigger. I keep uh, telling people don't listen to the show. This is one of these times where I'm just going to say, if you've enjoyed this show, fantastic. Stop now. (laughs) It's, It's going to get really bad. And you don't want to go there. Uh, There will be other warning signs as we start the next show. But you might want to hit pause and think about what you're doing with your life for the next hour. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's going to get ugly <laughs> so david david's the master of reverse psychology here this is uh, the forbidden fruit that he's telling you not to eat <laughs> whatever you do don't listen to the second show <laughs> the serpent with the feet do not listen to the serpent with the feet <laughs> so uh with that said we're gonna stop it we're going to um just stop. We're going to do some closing remarks now. Um, I'll, I'll begin the closing remarks um, this way. Uh, I want to echo what Darren has said, what a few other people have said, what I've said in the past. I think it's really kind of the only close I can do that sounds natural to me, which is once the Satan story unravels, the whole story unravels. Um And Christians don't tend to think of that way. They don't understand what a liability the Satan story actually is. And they haven't put enough academic, uh, philosophical, scientific, uh, historical rigor into the Satan character. And so it's just out there dangling. Uh, As a result uh, of that, it's a really, really bad, really, really incoherent story. So for instance, I think you know, Christians, if you start trying, you know, your conversion process by trying to convince people of your Satan story, I think you understand that you lose, right? You're, <laughs> that's, that's a bad, because it's, it's a dumb story. It just really is a dumb story. It doesn't hold together. Um, once people start asking questions about Satan, if you want to maintain anything, um, of a presence in this world, you are going to have to work harder to come up with answers about Satan. You're going to have to quit getting mad when people ask you questions about Satan. It's the wrong approach. You're going to have to quit bristling uh, when when we bring up something that's uncomfortable about Satan. You're going to have to face the fact that it is a problem. You're going to have to learn how to deal with that problem uh, or else Christianity has got maybe two more generations and you're done. You are done. Because it's not just that we don't buy the Satan character. It invalidates the rest of the story. It just invalidates it. It makes it seem ridiculous in the same way that we can ridicule Satan. We can ridicule the rest of the story. Even if we we wanted to think seriously about some other part of the story, we just need to remind ourselves... This comes from the same people who also believe in the Satan guy. This is, this is the same story that has the Satan guy in this other part. You can't, you can't 
by that. And, and why do you want us to believe the Satan story? Because it says so in a book. You have absolutely nothing else to go with besides that. You have nothing else. With the Jesus character, at least you can pretend to care about history. You know, with the creation story, you can pretend to care about science. With the Satan story, you got nothing but a ridiculous fairy tale that's held together by nothing. And that's, and that's the basis on which you want us to believe everything when it comes right down to it. The rest of your story isn't on any firmer of a foundation than its weakest link. And its weakest link is this Satan guy. So if you want to lose more people than you're losing already, then by all means, speak of the devil. Was that someone else's cue to do their wrap-up? Yeah, I didn't give anyone... Uh, uh... <clears throat> any order uh you've raised your hand uh Matt. all right uh, um, or everyone has taken a step back <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously the way that it's happened it's already quite clear where where my feelings are so i won't repeat what i've already said but what i will do is i'll plug an episode that andrew and i are planning to record on everyone's still unbelievable i've made contact with a pastor who's written a couple of books broad Brilliantly titled Answering Skeptics Questions. And we've agreed a date to do a recording. And I've bought one of his books. And I read the introduction to his book last night. And he's talking, he's telling a story about how he bought a house or was living in a house, but there was some kind of uncomfortable feeling. So he went and, he, and as part of something separate, he went and visited another pastor. And this other pastor told him, that he had demons living in the closet of his house. And that was the cause of the uncomfortable feelings he was having. If you're writing a book titled Answering Skeptics Questions, the implication there is you're aiming this book at skeptics. And then in the introduction, you introduce the concept of demons living in your closet. You've created a problem. Just saying, you've created a problem. I'm now slightly less incentivized to go through the rest of the book, but I've set the date, and so I need to finish reading this book. I'm sorry, Andrew, you need to read it as well. But this is where we find ourselves. Andrew, your turn. Okay. Um, I have very little to say here. I'm, I'm actually just going to repeat something said earlier in college for this second. You've got a God, and this is the story, who can make souls at will. And if you believe in an all-powerful God that can make souls, you've got one who simply couldn't make enough of the kind he wanted. Your God can't make enough of the kind of soul he wanted without putting the rest of us at risk. I don't buy it. The end. Darren. Yeah, the, um, I don't know if I have really a good closing either. The, um, 
Wait a minute. Are you implying that Andrew's closing wasn't good? Oh, no, it was perfect. But it was, you know, a repeat of what he's already saying. And I'm going to be doing the same thing. Um, the, uh, the problem is, is that the world we live in does not look like the world the Christian mythology describes. Um, I mean, we have 15,000 children that die every year or well, every day. 15,000 children die every day um, before uh, under the age of five. And uh, that does not that just isn't a world that a loving God would would exist in. A world with a hidden Satan also is not a world that we would live in. And because if Satan's job really is to go ahead and uh, lead people away from God, then what would be the most effective way to do that? He comes up, he shows himself to everyone and says, hey, this God thing that you've been worshiping, yeah, that's not real. But I'm real because I'm here, I'm showing myself, and I can do all these really cool magic tricks that proves that I am who I say I am. That is the most effective way to go ahead and uh, blind people to God, uh, a God that refuses to uh, show himself and that's not happening so unless not only is your god incompetent but also the devil is also incompetent then you the whole mythology just is not what the world looks like mr the wise (laughs) uh yeah this was um this was a really interesting show, uh, both the Christian panel and this one. Uh, thanks for having me on it. Uh, I'd, I'd like to close just by saying, you know, we, I, I've now been doing Skeptics and Seekers for three years as a listener, a uh, forum participant, and now also being on the mic. Uh, and, and at this stage of the game, I think it's clear that the Christians aren't going to convince the skeptics and the skeptics aren't going to convince the Christians. The real point of this conversation is to reach the third party, the person that's out there doubting, the person that doesn't know where they fall down, the person that's afraid to speak up in public, the person that is afraid of what their friends, their family, their job, their church is gonna do to them if they start to seriously question beliefs that they were given when they were young and that they're afraid to question and afraid to give up. So, you know, I don't have any illusion that anything any of us has said is gonna make Dale change his mind. Uh, So I, I hope it's clear that the point of these conversations is to reach the other person that's out there, the third party. Uh, and I didn't invite any of those people that are listening to listen to both shows, listen to them twice if you have to. I had listened to the Christian show a couple times just to make sure I didn't miss anything that they were saying. Uh, and come join us on the message board. Tell us what you think. How is the skeptic side lacking? What aren't we addressing? What, what do we need to say that's gonna get this thing to move forward for you? Uh, and I invite you to pose those same questions to the Christians as well. Because you know, at the end of the day, there are people on either pole and then there's a whole bunch of people in the middle. And I, and I would love to see if we could move the needle and get more uh, people to become more skeptical about everything. Uh, but in this topic in particular. Right. And I would, I would just tack on to that. Um, we are generally in the comment skeptics and seekers dot Uh You can just click on any show. We're generally uh, in there. You can access us. You know, we're not just talking heads. <clears throat> on a show we're, we're real people with actual lives but we don't if you want to challenge us if you want to challenge us harshly <laughs> um and have an exchange most of us are crazy enough to do it we're we're right there it's a little bit harder to get christians to to do it but if you're a christian and you want to 
to challenge any of this. Uh, we're all very accessible. Just, just put it out there. We'll, we'll be there because that's the kind of nerd we are. And so that said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this show up. It's been a great show, a great series and a fantastic season. Um, and so I want to thank everyone who's listened this season. Um, season four, uh, we usually start up in the spring around football season. And by football, I mean real football. Um, I say the spring, the fall. Yeah, the fall around, you know, real, real football <laughs> season, you know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, football, where it's illegal to actually use your foot on the ball. Um, <laughs> don't, don't question it, okay? This is how we do it here. Um, so, so, um, that said there, there are usually one or two, uh, shows in the summer sprinkled in, there will be, uh, this case, uh, as well. We already have a show recorded with Dale and Val and myself, uh, talking free will, uh, that'll come out in a, in a few weeks. Uh, we've got at least one or two, what I call non sequitur shows where we, uh, get together both the Christians and the atheists and blow off some speed steam and talk about nothing particularly serious. <laughs> Those are some of the best shows we do. Um, so, uh, and there is and, a part two of this show coming right after this, right? And there is a part two of this show that shall not be mentioned because you shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> so stop it. <laughs> so <laughs> apologies if I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you've you've just encouraged someone to seek the next show, Andrew. Against my wishes, um, Exotoma. <laughs> so, uh, goodbye, everybody. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another another exciting version of skeptics and seekers. I'm feeling strange. Um, we are going to do something that is ill-advised. In fact, um, as I've researched this all year, I have found lots of advice on how to do it and lots of advice not to do it. It's very dangerous, deathly, but I'm going to do it for the sake of science. And if I lose my soul in the process, at least some of you will see what happened to me and be saved before it's too late. I and a few of my friends are going to invoke and attempt to become possessed by a demon. Okay, um, <clears throat> we have Andrew, um, and we have uh, Darren, we have Matthew, and we have Mr. The Wise. Um, all of you, I love you all as my friends, it's not too late. If anyone wants to back out now, I'll understand. I'm just gonna give you about five seconds and, and you can walk away and you'll I be okay. I don't want to, but I have no choice. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give the floor over to 
Matthew, who has a very limited time. Uh, and I want to thank Matthew for all of the help he has uh, given me over the course of uh, this season, especially. Uh, Matthew, we wish we could have had you a little bit uh, longer, but uh, for the sake of your time, you have the floor. Yes, this would have been fun to do. So let's, assuming that you survive and I do get to see you again, because let's be honest, that's highly doubtful now that I know what's going on. But I would, let's assume you do and you are not, you're not too traumatized. We can absolutely do this again. I will be honest, I might have struggled to take it as seriously as is necessary if you if I'd been staying on, but let's put that to one side. So yeah, so I have to sign off now for some family time at home. I'll be watching television downstairs with my family. So I want to make a very specific request. Andrew has got my mobile number so he can text me when this is over, when your thing is over and I can text him back. In fact, see, let me say that. In your ending sequence, as you're rolling up to the end, why doesn't Andrew text me to ask me if anything's gone on and I can text him the answer back and then you can have that answer as part of your, your closing uh, summaries of, of what you're, you're about to do. So I'll be downstairs watching TV with my family. I won't be connected up here. So if you're whoever it is that you summon, if they're capable, I would like you guys to request that some kind of intervention is done in the electronics of my house while I'm watching television with my household, because if that happens, I am pretty sure that it will be impossible for me to miss it. So that is a very specific request that I'm making to you guys. Andrew will text me towards the end of the show to ask me if anything happened, and I'll text him back to say exactly what happened. And then you guys can then discuss the results of that short experiment uh, in your closing. So that's my proposal to you guys. Hopefully me throwing this in at you at last minute, just before I hoist off, isn't going to be too much of a problem. Good luck, guys. Stay safe. And I genuinely hope I see you again just as beautiful as you are now. Well, we we hope so, too. And um, I, I will just say, as you were signing off, we will request uh, an interruption in your power plus gallstones. Because no, I want to no, just want to no, like be that. sure. I want to be sure, you know. Because <laughs> okay, storms I'm nervous now. Yeah, <laughs> this, just, this just stepped up a notch. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matthew, real I'm now. actually just going for the toaster, man. I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask with the toaster. The, uh, <laughs> I just literally, I bought a brand new toaster last week and a brand new washing machine and a brand new dishwasher. So anything but those. <laughs> I could do okay. with a new computer so you can kill the computer a new bigger TV that's also fine so maybe you can kill that as well the computer is but not, not the test. Xbox not the Xbox please right. the like computer's my Xbox. not a good test it already runs Windows those burst into flames <laughs> bastard I knew, I knew you guys were unreliable Right. Okay. Do your worst, guys, and I will catch up with you next time. Okay. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, begin sharing my screen. I have um, <laughs> one or two things. So um, let's see. Sound is sharing. We'll start here. Um. So. Um, have uh, have any of you ever 
uh, encountered a demon uh, or anything you thought was a demon, we need to establish a baseline so that we know if we are encountering a demon later on. So do, do you have any experience with that? Do you know what to look for? Also, do we have any indication uh, that you're not already possessed? Because if you are, then this is not going to be a good experiment. Um, so let me just start there. Darren, are you possessed? I've been called the, de uh, the devil and servant of Satan um, fairly seriously by theists for quite a while now. So maybe. Okay. Uh Brian, how would we know if you if you caught a demon? So I don't know if I've ever been demon possessed. Um, you know, it might have been during my thrash heavy metal phase in high school. Maybe that's when I was uh, in a, a possessed by a demon. Uh, but I suspect uh, if I were demon possessed now, that my um, my voice would sound like Perry Como. Okay. So you're thinking a voice change would be a sign of possession. Andrew, what do you think about that? Okay. Um, that, so it seems like a possession is already underway. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, we, we might have to wing it, but this is a part of the problem with the Christian story of, of demon possession. If you're going to believe in demon possession, you have to have a baseline for what it's like not to be demon possessed. And you have to have a baseline for then what it constitutes demon possession. Um, you know, uh, last, last week, uh, this past week, we had some comments on the board about uh, supernatural skeptical stupidity. And my main question for about supernatural skeptical stupidity is how do you distinguish that from regular skeptical stupidity? <laughs> I don't, so how can, how can you tell? Um, if I become demon possessed, will my posts get stupider? Because <laughs> I honestly, I don't know how I would tell. So, um, I, I I have to I have to say that 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 I think has been my favorite claim of the entire season that there is a supernatural stupidity because you know there's been times where I've backed my car into the garage door and perhaps I shouldn't be so blamed for it right maybe that was the supernatural <laughs> stupidity that I was doing. I assure you, I'm capable of extremely high levels of stupidity on my own. <laughs> This is, this is absolutely correct, right? <laughs> I don't need any help with all the errors I'm making every single day. And I don't want to have a, a devil taking the credit <laughs> for my stupidity. So Here's the funny thing. Demons are, demons are not very smart, right? Because, because if they were, the first thing they wouldn't do is tell everybody that they're possessing you. So, so, I mean, is, is that like um, like God governs certain kinds of things demons can do, right? So, so you can possess someone, but if you do, you must always tell them that they're possessed so everybody else knows. I, 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 don't, 
I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, so, David may have actually uh, accidentally uh, given us a, a criteria to test because Satan supposedly uh, fell originally because of arrogance and pride, right? Well, if we blame all of David's stupidity on the devil, is that a way to uh, summon him and uh, get him to actually uh, interact with the world, uh, work on his pride? <laughs> okay, look, there's, we're going to get started here. <laughs> I, oh, I already can't take myself seriously. <laughs> I thought we were already possessed. I thought, I thought this was over. Now I'm, now I'm nervous. I know it's coming and I can't take it. I'm going to be undone. <laughs> People, it's been a long series, a long season, and I'm just undone. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Never, never, the, never, the, never the show. Never the show. This, it's going to go downhill from here. This is the high point. So um, I'm going to start with um, with a video, a, a useful instructional video <laughs> to help us get started. Andrew, do you still have your uh, Latin incantation um, handy? I'm going to take that as a yes. So, um, <laughs> by the way, folks, this is how he sounds all the time when we talk on the phone. Um, so let's let's just start with a little bit of um, light instructional. I, I won't get into the heavier stuff. Just here, here we go. Let's everyone can see my screen, right? <laughs> Hello, my name is Isabella, but you can call me Raven Black. In this video, I'm going to be informing you on how to summon the satanic spirit of Lucifer. As you can see, I've prepared the pentagram. Uh, it should be flipped upside down, which, re which re uh, represents the devil's horns. And you're- <laughs> David, David, the, the scary quotient is disappearing. <laughs> don't, don't make fun of the devil's horns, man. He was very pride, prideful of those. It's very important that you turn the pentagram in exactly the right way. <laughs> to represent the By the way, is, 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 this a, is this girl from an episode of Dawson's Creek or something? This, is, this was your go-to for demon, demon summoning? I more. I just, I thought this would be a way of easing into it. Kind of a, you know, demon summoning for dummies. It's... <laughs> Sorry. Situate five candles around the pentagram, uh, and now we're just gonna light them. So does this mean you, you have also candles want to in the to, pentagram? Um, prepare some offerings for your no, uh, for this being because he's a very I'm offering the video um, as, the, as the pentagram so you're just gonna candle. Lay those in the center of your pentagram. What, what she doesn't go what are the offerings can, can you guys tell what that is ketchup packets maybe <laughs> sorry hey a tomato had to die in order to get those how does she know the demon doesn't prefer tartar sauce i mean that just well i mean there's lots You're of demons right you want to prepare a few chants 
I've selected two, which you can find online on any um, dark magic website. <coughs> My first one is Diabolus, and the second is Sanctus Satanus, and they're both in Latin, uh, which is really an effective language for this sort of task. And now, okay, must have sucked to <laughs> live in Rome. At this point, uh, Andrew, uh, I think you have a few Latin words that you should say uh, three times each. <laughs> well, you'd, if you don't have the Pentagon set, uh, pentagram set up, is that uh, is that it's, even going to work? A, it's on the screen. It's it's the digital age. They can they can see through the screen, can't they? <laughs> <Go on. laughs> I don't oh. think you're taking this seriously, David. Hey, hang on, don't don't interrupt the incantation. <laughs> Okay. Andrew, where's my incantation? I was promised incantations. Visions of Papa Smurf came to my mind as Andrew was doing this. this just, we don't need it. For some atmosphere, we're just going to turn the lights off. It's very uh, important. Keeps everything restful, so the uh, no, whole focus is on the spirit. It's so restful. This is how it should look with your candles. I was I was thinking the Charlie Brown teachers, David. That's what I'm. That's and the vibe I'm getting. So now that we have our room prepared, you're going to want to. Sit at the base of the pentagram, the pentacle, <laughs> sorry. I've been calling it a pentagram this whole time. <coughs> and you wanna gonna wanna sit cross-legged because that is the most respect respectful. <laughs> 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 sorry. City cross-leg. <laughs> that's that's the most respectful. I'm sorry. I understand that people take this seriously. <laughs> um, it's the best seating position. Just a couple and more minutes here. I got. Well, keep in mind this is 100% real, not clickbait, because it says so in the title. 100% real. <laughs> So That's why I chose it. Of course. Uh, I've chosen two because I want the effect to be more powerful. Yeah, I'm and, just gonna skip uh, skip through some of this. Time. Yeah. Because you know, six, six, six. Uh, She's gonna get. Wrong with it. Yeah. Wrong, God forbid. and hope that nothing goes wrong. So she she prays and first. It's <laughs> very important to have a clean conscience while you're doing this. Uh, your spirit has to be still. Uh, because any negative energy you have, any worries you have, will distort the, distort the air, and you know bad things might happen. Uh, you know some things might go unleashed in the house. But anyways, I'm gonna start uh, with my first chant uh, or incantation is called Diabolus. Um, so remember six times each. I'm gonna start with this one. Diesire diesila. Solvet sethum in fagila, teste satan cum sibila, quantos tremor est futurus, quando vindex est venturus, sunt astride discusurus, diesirei diesila. Yes, 
Okay. All right. Just a just a quick reality check. Just want to go around the room. <clears throat> Does anyone feel different right now? Is it has a possession begun? <laughs> anyone on the panel? I, I think I had my iPhone turned in the wrong direction so the pentagram wasn't facing the right way. It's very important. The horns have to be... <laughs> Aren't you paying attention? <laughs> I was. It was technology. That wasn't a demon. It was technology. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to take us to a better... I, I think more serious uh, attempt here, but first, make sure um, everyone likes and subscribes to Raven's Blood's <laughs> channel. There, yeah, because it's it's real; <laughs> it's not fake. She promises. <laughs> oh, it now says she, so. Now, right now she's going to go do. Thing, now right? she's going to go do her algebra homework. <laughs> so, um. Raven, sweetie, I'm not laughing uh, at you. I'm laughing with, oh, fuck it. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, before we uh, go to the next video, can everyone still see this okay? Um, can everyone see my screen okay? Yep. Okay, good. Uh, so <clears throat> I have been told from childhood that the most certain gateway to demon possession is a Ouija board. It, of all of the things that Christians feared when I was a kid, Ouija boards, they were, <laughs> I didn't even know what a Ouija board was uh, until probably my late teens, but I knew that it was a doorway to hell. <laughs> I knew that much. So, um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, try it here um anyone got any ouija board experience um <laughs> what's your favorite ouija boards moment uh, uh had these uh had these two friends i guess it was nine or ten the two little girls uh andy and tracy uh had a ouija board and have no idea how they came by it uh, I think some parents actually buy their children Ouija boards. Well, you know, it's, that's good parenting. Um, and uh, and we played with a, a Ouija board uh, in their garage pretty often, actually. And the, the funny thing was, um, you can always tell who wanted what result, right? Because there would be these moments of, of fighting over the uh, over the little pointer. What's that thing called in the middle? A jet. Of the What's that? A flanchette, I think, is what it uh, is. Okay. So, so there was always this fighting. So Quality you know, research here on skeptics and seekers, people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so you could you could tell who wanted what answer, right? Because you're supposed to be touching the thing lightly, but by the end of the thing, you're practically wrestling on the floor over the, <laughs> over who gets to. Uh, who gets to decide yes, no, or which letters or numbers uh, you choose? So, so there you go. That's that's my peer-reviewed research on Ouija boards. Ryan, um, <clears throat> do you have a question for the um, 
for the afterlife. I'll, I'll be ha- happy to put it in the, the dark side of the afterlife. Not, not the good let's, side. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. Uh, let's see. Um, will the second heaven after Jesus coming, will it fail again like it did in the past? Okay, let's, uh, let's find, I'm not manipulating this at all, people. <clears throat> I'm uh, obviously not manipulating this at all. <laughs> so let me try this again. Never mind the mouse pointer. Yeah, no, no, no. <clears throat> uh, this worked beforehand. Um, and no, I... <laughs> I think my computer is possessed. Um, just give me a minute. Um, okay. There we go. Up. No. No. 100% real here. 100% yeah. Look, I, it's not me. It's not me. All I'm doing is hovering my mouse over the thing and it moves by itself. Oh my God. Uh, but the second heaven's going to be pretty good. Hey, um, <clears throat> Darren, um, is, is there a request you have from the uh, other side? Well, um, given how many scientists aren't actual theists at the moment, have they uh, discovered a way to um, air conditioning, uh, add air conditioning to hell yet? Okay. Uh, what am I, I, I can't write. Is hell, hell air conditioned? Okay. Is it, is it? Oh, my goodness. Nope. Uh, okay. All right. Good. Um, so it's it's still the same old hell. Um, <clears throat> Andrew, I'll, I'll give you a shot here uh, before I move to the next video. Is there, is there something or maybe someone uh, you would like to talk to? Yeah, I, I just have a question. Is, is there... Is there any hope for getting people who make witch boards to actually put the number line in order with zero before one rather than after the nine? All right. That's a real question. I, I, mean, I drives me I, crazy. I, I feel like you might be um taking the the gods of the Ouija frivolously but I'm, I'm asking I'm putting the question in there G G no that's all we just got G no that's that's all he's got for me as if to say oh gee what question <clears throat> right um 
so we'll we'll continue uh, our experimentation with the Ouija board. But I've got, uh, I've got, I've got um, more. Yeah, this 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 is quick. Um, just Sadrakab Riyarp Sadrol Nima Reverov Irog et Dena Riwap et Mongenik et C. Enith Roth Livmorf Su Reviled Tub Noitat Pamet Okne Tensu Dial Dena Su Seniaga Sapsert O Isot Evigorov you saw Sesapsert Ruo Su Igivrov Dena Dierb Iliad Ruo Yad Sit Su Evig Nivae Nisitisa He try no Inad Eb Liu eat Emak Madgenic eat Iman eat Eb Devola Nevae Nitra O Retaf Ruo Natas Lia. Okay, so <clears throat> what you just heard is a time honored tradition in um, summoning a demon. If you didn't recognize it, <clears throat> shame on you. It was the Lord's Prayer backward. <laughs> because somewhere in, in the early centuries, somebody figured out that if you just say the words of the Lord's Prayer backwards, a, semen, a demon would come up because they would they like the sound of that. And it also so. includes the phrase eat by apparently. <laughs> it just sounds like speaking in tongues. I mean, the Pentecost has been doing this for a long time. So um there's a, for those who, excuse me, would like to take the tradition slightly more seriously, let me just uh, point out here, there are problems with the Lord's Prayer backward as a method for summoning the demons, because A, there's more than one version of the Lord's Prayer, so... That's a problem. Which, which one do you use? It's and a little bit you, like. Yeah, go and ahead. how do you know you're getting the uh, pronunciation correct? Well, right. So, setting pronunciation aside, we'll get to that in just a second with this other video. Um, what language should you use for the original Lord's Prayer? Which version? Which translation? Um, so, um, <clears throat> if you have to get the language correct, does that mean that no one with a speech impediment can summon uh, a demon? That seems. Uh... I I think that might be what it means. Um, there, <laughs> so all of these issues with reciting the Lord's Prayer have been seriously discussed <laughs> by people. <laughs> For, for ages. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, we've, we've given um, 
a Lord's Prayer here. I just wanted that on video because I I can't <laughs> I can't say it. I, I'm assuming. I think that... um, I think I think Raven's Blood previously told us that Latin was the best language to do these things in. So we should listen to her. <laughs> Okay. Well, the Lord's Prayer sounds the same to me, backwards and forwards in Latin. So <laughs> it's all Greek to me. Uh, so, okay. <clears throat> for, for the serious part of the show. Give me a second. Uh, I think you're going to, you're going to, you're going to appreciate this. I'm going to, I'm going to pick up this video. Um, uh, already underway. Let's see, I'm gonna get rid of that and Satan, the baddest hoe to fall from heaven since Hades. But oh. Satan is a lot less jolly than it might seem. In fact, you could go so far as to call him mean-spirited. He's a bad guy. Despite this, legend tells of countless people attempting to summon the devil. Some were merely curious. Others wanted to sell their soul in exchange for their wildest desires. Varying as much as their motivation was their method to summon him. Having gone through dozens of such folktales, I have identified some of the best ways to summon the devil. I'm all about helping my subscribers improve themselves. So for those of you who lie awake at night wishing you could meet Satan, there must be at least one of you. Here are some options. It seems like religion has always told of a fallen deity who became the embodiment of evil, from ancient Babylonian to Maori tradition. In Christianity, the devil is drawn from a variety of ancient Greek, Celtic and Abrahamic beliefs, giving us the Prince of Darkness we all know and love. But it's not all positive, the devil does have a mean side. One of the figures he was based on is a fallen angel from Jewish law called Satanil. Not being mentioned in the New Testament, it's as if he and many others were simply absorbed into one terrible being, Satan. But no matter how evil or powerful our perception of the devil became, some have always tried to reach him. By the late 19th century, a dark renaissance unfolded. Across the globe, secret societies were born around the occult and the study of all things mysterious. People spent their entire lives investigating magic, the paranormal and Satanism. Among them was Alistair Crowley. Crowley was the most notorious of all Victorian occultists, being known as the wickedest man in the world, and the Beast, a name even his mother used for him. He believed in magic, and claimed to have developed a prayer to summon the devil. Rumour spread that mispronouncing the prayer would cause a person to lose their mind, so it's n- <laughs> I'm sorry, just- Okay. <clears throat> it is at this point, that we're going to participate in a uh, group event. <laughs> Anyone who dares. The words of the prayer are going to pop up on the screen. I'm going to turn the volume down. And we are going to say this prayer together. Now, you can trust this prayer. <laughs> because it was carefully crafted by the most evil man in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy the prayer. Just be yeah, careful. Even, of even, his even his mother was calling him those names. Oh my goodness, <laughs> the poor guy. Be careful of your pronunciation. <laughs> because you will lose your mind if you mispronounce something. So let me just... <laughs> 
I'm going to do some exercises. Rumor spread that mispronouncing the prayer would cause a person to lose their mind. So it's not a prayer that should be taken lightly. But I'm going to reveal it here anyway. Because views. Apparently it goes like this. Was, was he wearing a George Washington hat there? What, what was that? What was that? Okay, here we go. Andrew just got to snuggle up to the screen here. I, um, I'm i going to have a little trouble with it myself, but I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this as big as possible. Let's go. I invoke the, 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 terrible the terrible and invisible, and invisible God, God who dwelleth in, in the void, void place, place of, of the spirit. The spirit. <clears throat> Aro, go, 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 go. Thou spiritual <laughs> sin, son, sin, thou I, thou, thou, thou lust. <laughs> cry aloud, cry, cry, cry aloud, world, world, world oh, my oh my father, oh Satan, oh, oh son, such who so thou the Savior. Madurial silence. Give me thy secret. Give me thy secret. Falau. Give me suck, thou phallus. What? Oh, Shane. So I think you both have mispronounced it a couple times at this point. Are you feeling mad or insane? We're toast. I gotta go back. I. Uh, suck me into saying pornography here. What the heck's going I on? Thought here? I, was, I thought I was gonna make it all the way through. <laughs> Just give me a okay. come on. I'm gonna take a run at this now. You're gonna have to talk fast because I'm not gonna pause anymore. <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Okay. Darren's protecting himself. Well, Satao I figure someone has to be the objective observer. Give thy secret, Give me suck thy phallus, thy son. Go Satan, thou I, lust. Oh, Satan, thou I, thy lust. Satan, thou I, thy lust. Thou self-caused, self-determined, exalted, most high. Okay, now so we're you Charlie both, Chapman the movie. You both definitely uh, mispronounced oh. a lot of that. So oh, totally. So uh, <laughs> insanity, <going> right? <laughs> How can you measure it? Uh, I think you have to have an objective observer on the outside to measure it for you. <laughs> oh, poor Matt! I hate you. Missed this, my friend. I would have loved to hear. In the British accent, give me suck, oh phallus. <laughs> that is an interesting point. Does his uh, accent mean that he's automatically going to mispronounce the uh, the prayer? I don't know what. Well, maybe it means, since speaks. they're closer to the old world, maybe it means that we all mispronounce it. Oh, okay. All right. It's, look, the important thing. <laughs> that you need to take away from this is that there are <clears throat> people 
perfectly sane, well-balanced human beings who take this shit seriously. Okay. Um, they are even at this moment covering their ears and praying to God in forgiveness for having heard the satanic prayer because it, it is a real thing to them in their minds. Now, first of all, I told them not to listen. So it's on you. Um, but I, I just want to have a moment of conversation here while I, while I get my body in order. Um, what goes, what goes through your mind when you, um, when you see a, a ritual like that, and you hear things like that and you pair it with the fact that people take this seriously. I mean, could you, for instance, look your boss in the eye the same way if you knew that they took this seriously? No. no. I mean, I, I'm going to have trouble just not laughing uh, the next time I encounter a cashier. <laughs> I want to just ask everybody, hey, do you take this Satan shit seriously? <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a good segue. Uh, by the way, I presume that my voice is back to normal and it's not being modified very much. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Darren sent something over an email. Uh, I guess we had her done here, Darren. We had very similar thoughts. I talked to Darren about this last week. And uh, so, so moving into something slightly more serious, because I, I, I can't take any more videos right now. It's, 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 it's uh, hit my ridiculous quotient for the moment. But there's a problem to me with Pascal's wager. So if there are any listeners out there, are, but if we're just talking to each other, my friend. Right. <laughs> well, if, if there are any listeners <laughs> who are not aware of Pascal's wager, uh, Blaise Pascal suggested that um, that the Christian life, uh, even if it uh, didn't leave heaven, was a good life. And um, so, why not live the Christian life? Um, you know, regardless of, of whether there was a God or not. But it seems to me that there are some real problems with this sort of thing uh, as a wager. So I want to talk about uh, both problems for a moment and suggest why I think there's a better Pascal's wager. And it applies really to, to both trains of thought. So, so if Pascal was right and he was a Christian and he thought there was an afterlife, uh, his wager takes for granted that God must be uh, the superior being in, uh, in, in this fight of wills between good and evil. And I would suggest that the, uh, that the answer to that question, God is superior, is not, that, is not that clear cut. And so Pascal's wager is wrong uh, if, if God and Satan are actually in a fight. Uh, what you should do. Sorry, I've. Inadvertently cut you off, Andrew. I think, although it's still recording, <clears throat> uh, or maybe uh, I just cut myself you, off. Can you? Can you? Uh, uh, who can hear okay. me? I think I my can. audio uh, just went foobar. Okay. Can you hear so, us now? 
Okay, go ahead. Andrew, I've, I've heard, I heard it. everything you said, Andrew. Okay. No, it's, it, it was me. My, my volume just uh, shit the bed for a second. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay, so, so if there is a God and a Satan and they're in an eternal war, the prayer that you should pray is not, uh, the, the thing that you should uh, wager on is not Pascal's wager, but a modified and better Pascal's wager. You should try both lives. You should try a, a Christian life and a, and a satanic life to see which one is, is most fulfilling. And the prayer that you should pray, if you want one of them to be on your side, if you're, if you're going to have a prayer life in Pascal's wager, then the prayer should properly be um, to God and Satan, lords of this world, I have no idea which of you reigns supreme, but I am willing uh, to be your vassal, your servant, your, uh, your undying leech. I will uh, prosecute my life for the one of you uh, who is most willing to demonstrate his influence in my life, uh, worlds without end, and let one of them, let one of them reign supreme. Um, and if there is not a, a God or a Satan, uh, and, and Pascal is simply wrong, then you should you should lead whatever life you think will be most fulfilling, and the Christian life is, is not necessarily the one that is most fulfilling. So I think place Pascal had it wrong. I, I think I think Pascal's wager is wrong on uh, on every possible count, and I wonder what the three of you think. I think it's an exceptionally good point. Um, and, you know, it, it reminds me of some of the conversations I've had with Teddy over the season. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed uh, those conversations. Um, but I, I think the thing that stands out with Teddy's uh, theology um, and every it seems like everyone's commented on it is her sense that she's really afraid of God. She's she, she's her God is one that's scary to her. Uh, her, her God will gank you in a second. Um, and so you should believe in that God. And <clears throat> this modified version of uh, Pascal's wager actually makes more sense of Teddy's idea. She should not, in fact, be pulling for God. She should be pulling for the winner. Whoever, whoever proves to be the biggest, baddest, strongest, uh, meanest kid on the block. That's who she should be best friends with. And so her her wager ought to be, I am open to you um, and leave you open-ended to whoever wins the, the damn spiritual war. Uh, because it, it kind of puts a little bit of a lie to our, her argument if she doesn't say that the reason is uh she says well we're we're just being hypocrites because if we were faced with the real god um that we would tremble and shit bricks and worship him anyway well i would i would argue that if she's faced with the real satan who happens to win she would do the same <clears throat> and so if her argument is that we should worship god because he's really um you know, big man on campus, I would simply argue that she should be at least open to worshiping Satan for the same reason, because it looks like by all accounts, he's the one who's winning. 
Yeah, and well, you've to gotta, be fair, she, well, to be fair, just, she has said that she was that's what she would do. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's a terrible way, a, a thought process to have. But that's what you have to believe if you have a God kind of like Teddy's. Um, and so I would say that if you're going to do any form of Pascal, it shouldn't be in favor of any particular God. It should be, I am open to all gods, all supernatural bullies, all possibilities, uh, all religions, all worldviews, and whoever uh, can, can take me, this empty vessel, that's who I will serve. That's what you should say. But that's not what Christians say. Yeah, for me, Pascal's wager is uh, fails because they haven't actually presented any God. Um, I mean, if you're going to wager on a God, it, you would think that the first thing you'd want to do is actually demonstrate that what you're wagering on, you know, exists. I know that's sort of tangential to the wager itself, since the wager is about uh, you should believe even if there isn't a God, but it's sort of hard to take it seriously when you, you can't even present the God. So which God, you know, am I wagering on? The Egyptian gods, you know, Greek gods, Norse gods, uh, the uh, uh, Zoroastrian gods, the uh, cult of Judas's gods. American Indian gods. So I wanted to um, just <clears throat> take a, a few more serious moments to, um, to have a little bit of uh, reflection because I wanted to talk a little bit uh, before we go away for the season about why this particular show is important to me, why the stunt is important to me. And why, frankly, I think everybody should do it. <clears throat> um, so uh, am, I, am I engaging in a bit of mockery and having some fun? Yes, absolutely. But there is a, there is a serious aspect to it. And it's, it's about epistemology. And it's about um, the, the honesty and integrity of, of your epistemological efforts. <clears throat> if, if you have done some real seeking in your life and you found no God at the end of your prayer, why did you stop there? Um, And, and Christians, why do you insist that they only seek God? Because there are more God-like beings in your story. So it seems like you, you need to exhaust, <clears throat> at, at the very least, exhaust the gods of the story before you stop seeking. And Satan is the god of this world. So it, it seems like, first of all, if you're gonna if you're gonna seek any god at all to to see if he's there, <clears throat> it would be the the one that's close to you, <laughs> um, the god of this world. Why not seek that one? Uh, and Christians, what they tell you is, 
<clears throat> you need to open your heart to our God and you know be have have such a mindset so that you are open to God's presence and you say this this doubter's prayer uh, and you welcome God into your life okay I'll tell you what let's make a deal I'll pray that prayer and I'll pray the one for Satan too because surely at least one of these beings is going to answer a prayer. It doesn't matter. This is the this is the beauty of it for the Christian. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one of them answers your prayer. You got a supernatural sign for something that that this stuff is real. So you ought to at least have the courage of your conviction and and prove that it's real especially if you're one of those christians like i was who never really got the answer from the god you were praying for all your life also just epistemically speaking uh the christians tell us all the time you can't prove god's existence through your materialistic methods science isn't going to prove god's existence observation isn't going to prove god's existence yada 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 okay well, what about Satan's existence? Can we prove that? Because Christians are, are, once again, they're banging on about things like Ouija boards and, you know, people accidentally, you know, tripping up on a, a crack on the sidewalk and getting possessed by a demon. Great. Sounds easier to reach that side than the other side. So let's, let's do some experimentation. Uh, let's set up some cracks on the sidewalk. Let's set up a Ouija board. Let's, uh, you know, get a pentagram or pentacle or whatever the heck it is. Make sure that the uh, points are, you know, upright forever since the theme is orange. Do, what, do whatever it takes to test that side empirically. But I've got a feeling, you know, I can hear the Christians in, in this supernatural frequency uh, in my head. And what they're saying is, yeah, well, Satan doesn't do parlor tricks either. So uh, what, what are we to do then? Um, your God won't come out. And you tell us that Satan will possess you, but when we're trying to get possessed, he will only possess you if you're not trying to get possessed, apparently. I'm trying to get possessed. No demon has showed up. Uh, nothing, nothing supernatural has happened. Uh, what does a guy have to do to get any kind of empirical feedback from the other side? And if you're listening to Christians, apparently there's not a goddamn thing you can do, but you could accidentally get possessed somehow. Um, and you still need yeah. to take them serious about the whole thing. And you, you still got to take them seriously. And so this is, this is me taking this seriously right now. Uh, Quite seriously, if I am overcome by some alien being, it can happen right here on camera, my camera's on. If my head spins all the way around, yeah, I'm still. Okay, nope. Um, you know, if, if I get uh, green vomit, dyspepsia or whatever it uh, takes, you'll see it. Uh, superpowers. Uh, I don't know. Um, so d run the experiment. If you take it seriously, people, 
run the experiment. And if your experiments fail with both the light side and the dark side, then maybe the force in the metachlorians are just fucking fiction. I'm more though, I'm really curious about what all of you think about this. I want to know what it means when Christians say God will win. Um, the, the pieces on the board, when we, when we talk about winning a game, right? Um, it, it's usually the collection of, of pieces. By any, by any counting measure, and by standard Christian orthodoxy, Satan's already won. Nine out of 10, 99 out of 100, 999 out of 1,000, pick your number, but whatever it is, God takes very few. And this for me is a very strange way to view winning a game. Now, maybe, maybe the Christian pieces are the most important pieces. That doesn't, that doesn't follow for me. And, and so, Superpowers aside, the ability to infect my mind or whatever, this is the way we look at war. This is the way we look at the games we play. And even when I was a Christian, I didn't understand what it meant for God to win one of the times. Never understood that either. Uh, Brian, uh, chime in. You're you're a, you're an action. Um, the the whole idea of um, at some point the the war is going to be over, and you know we can enjoy the victory that we've already pre prematurely declared. What is what does that look like? What how would the what does it mean for God to win? a war that we can't even define. I mean, did you, did you ever even think about that at all? Yeah. I mean, I think I thought that in the future, there would be a perfect existence in heaven with Jesus and God and all sin gone and no more devil. He's cast in the lake of fire and he's finished. So yeah, that, those were the terms that I thought in when I was a Christian trying to be faithful. Yeah. But that doesn't really address the, the brunt of the problem Yes, we assume that after all of it, that's going to be the state. But how do we get to that end point? What what are they fighting for? And how will we know that Satan lost? I mean, will God just hit a button, big red button saying it's all over? Or or will there is there a battle of a certain number of souls? And then when that number of souls is reached, um, it's all over. Or is God actually trying to hunt down Satan, but Satan has been able to elude him? Um, and, you know, and when he finally catches him, it's all over. How, how, how does it end? Far more than he wins. I mean, so so the individual could claim winning, right? So so um, one of you goes to heaven, and the rest of us do not. Um, so uh, uh, so maybe Darren ends up day. in heaven accidentally, right? <laughs> the rest of us don't end up in heaven. So, so maybe Darren won. But in no sense that I can say, did Jehovah win? Even if, even if Darren landed on the right side of the board, um, I don't see that that means that God the player 
won the game, even if that piece was captured poorly. Right. The, the thing that uh, Andrew is alluding to uh, uh, that he assumes that everybody knows um, is the, the passage of scripture um, that talks about um, that, that indicates that the majority of souls will be lost and only a few will be All saved. Straight. Exactly. And few there be that find the narrow gate many there be that find the broad gate it's it's a very clear indication that when this is all over only a remnant if you will only a few will be saved and so if if you're waiting around for when god finally gets 51 percent of the souls that's never going to happen it's it's all it's already prophesied. Jesus said it himself. It's out of his mouth, so it got to be true, right? Uh, it's it's not clickbait. I promise. <laughs> Jesus, sorry. Um, Jesus said this, and so it's not like we're waiting around for God to pr- produce more saved souls than Satan. Numerically speaking. He's already lost. It's it's already written. Um, it's it's never going to happen. And so that's why uh, people like Andrew and I sit wondering, well, what is the war then? What are you? What are the stakes? What are you? <laughs> what are you fighting for? Because I don't I don't I don't get it. Um, what's if God could end the war? Why why not just end it? Um, nobody seems to know what the stakes are supposed to be uh, and what it would look like for the war to, to end or how, what it means for God to win other than just arbitrarily declaring I win. And if that's all we're doing, you're just waiting for God to arbitrarily declare I win. Honestly, that should trouble Christians greatly. All right, Darren, uh, help us uh, start to wrap it up, my friend. Um, well, um, yeah, uh, just, I don't know. When, you have, when you're set up with this kind of mythology, it's um, really hard to take it seriously. Uh, because, it, I mean, as you already mentioned, the Christians are saying that God and the devil play in the real world all the time, and yet they're not detectable by any human means. Um, I don't know. I just, as an outsider looking in, I just don't get it, and I don't understand why anyone else takes the Christian mythology seriously. Um, the, the world just doesn't look like it, like a loving God created it, and the world doesn't look like there's an evil God running it. Um, even it, the whole thing, as far as I can tell, is just largely incoherent and the apologists don't help any by um, by trying to fix it. From what I can tell, they just make things worse. Um, and and you're right with this whole experiment. If the, the, the devil was actually possessing 
possessing people or influencing people or doing anything. It should be trivially easy for the Christian to demonstrate that that's true, especially considering how much we know of how the brain works, uh, how, you know, the body works and how it all sort of comes together. Um, if Christianity were true, it should be just trivially easy to prove that it's true one way or the other. And the fact that they're constantly coming up with excuses as to why they can't, I think is probably the biggest indicator that none of it actually is true. Andrew, I'm saving you for last, uh, Brian. So Mr. The first, Wise, there'd be a lot of pressure on you, sir. So <laughs> Go first, ahead, Andrew. This is, um, this, is, this is worth pointing out. Um, we, we opened with an experiment from Matthew. Uh, Matthew said, do your worst. In the time that we've been uh, chatting, I emailed him and texted him. Matthew's doing fine. Uh, further, he says the dog's still alive too. Uh, the, the toaster, the washing machine, the dryer, they're all intact. Now, maybe you'd say, well, that's just what he, that's just what he would say, right? So, so the demon took over and I don't know, rationalize it however you want. That's just what he would say even if something went wrong. But there is an open experiment here. Um, and as much mockery as we made of it, even if you would, even if you would say to yourselves, even if you would say to yourselves, well, of course, the Holy Spirit isn't going to participate because the Holy Spirit wouldn't participate in mockery, right? The Orthodox Christian view should should be, yeah, well, Satan wants you mockery or not, because that's who Satan is. He's the bad guy, and there are four of us. And we're all the same people that we were when we started. And that, that leads me to just say this. I'm a weak atheist. I'm not saying that there is no God. I'm also not saying that there is no Satan. But I have no good reason to believe there is. And this experiment, along with thousands, millions, maybe even billions of them like it every day. Just mean that when you put your selection bias aside, when you stop counting the hits and ignoring the misses, what you find is that the best explanation for this world, and by the way, the one that allows us to do the most with it and to get along the most successfully, is the one where we do away with our, our magical thinking and address each other across the table as if we're humans because we are. And as if none of us has a supernatural brother hanging around over their shoulder to right all the wrongs. Because there's not. And though we've made a little bit of fun and, and maybe even crossed the line into mockery a moment or two. This is me reaching across the aisle to say, I beg you, I beg you, 
to reach back and let's just be healing together. We've got lots of problems in this world. And as far as I can tell, none of them get solved with supernatural thinking. So come along and let's do our best together without magic. And I hope there's another season. David, thanks for season three of SMS. Very welcome. Um, why would demons make deals <clears throat> with um, people? Um, you know, this, it's this is an interesting bit of the lore. Uh, you can make a deal with the demon, sell your soul, and uh, you get you get goodies. You know. You get uh, wealth, sex, fame. Um, you know your dog lives longer, whatever um, the deal is. But what is uh, what does the demon get out of it? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it for just a moment, if you're the kind of person who would sell your soul to a demon for anything they already have you <laughs> sorry so uh, this is just this is just one more piece of the illogic <laughs> surrounding christian mainstream christian demonology thinking this is what they think uh we, when they don't say it aloud or when they're uh, only talking to each other in their clubhouses. This is, this is the stuff uh, they think. And at some point um, you have to recognize the absurdity of it. And uh, people like Sam Kinison and uh, George Carlin were very influential in helping me see the power of polemic mockery. Because once you can laugh at something, it utterly loses its power uh, over you. And so I hope that I have helped you, even involuntarily, to see the absurdity of some of this and laugh at it because you're never going to be able to go back uh, to the way it was before, I assure you. And um, before handing it over to uh, Brian, uh, I will just say a few last words. Matthew Taylor, Gallstones, Give me suck, all thy phallus, thy eye, thy lust, thy eye, thy lust, falau. Brian. So I, I have to follow poor Matthew getting gallstones from across the pond from your mispronunciation of a devil's prayer. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much to add. Uh, I think all the closings covered 
I think the most important topics that we're talking about. Uh, the, the one finer point I'll put on it is, is uh, hopefully what this shows is the hallmarks for what good skepticism is, right? Skepticism isn't believing things are false, believing the opposite of what you say. Skepticism is not assenting to believing something until you have a good reason for it. And then holding that belief in proportion to how good the reason you have for believing it is. We can hold beliefs of various strengths based on various amounts of evidence, kinds of evidence, strength of evidence, but we should apportion our beliefs to the evidence. And what happens with these supernatural claims is we're told on one hand that these things are in a supernatural realm that we don't understand and we can't access and we have no way of sensing. If that's true, then that's fine. Leave that stuff there. I'm not going to believe it's true, but you're, you're telling me if I don't have access to it, I can't also confirm it's false. So my, my stance has to be as a good skeptic is to not accept it as true until it is demonstrated as such. And once you tell me there are mechanisms for demonstrating these things are real, now we have something to go on. And this is inevitably where we bump into the idea that deities and demons and Satan and Jesus don't want to be tested. They do not want to be put to the test by us mere humans. So again, if that's the case, if they will not be put to the test such that I'll have the evidence I need to believe in them, I'm going to withhold my belief. I won't believe in it. That's not me saying I've proven it's false. But if you're telling me it is true, and all of the Christian panelists uh, very clearly raised their hand up and said, yes, Satan is real, then prove it. Show us the evidence. And if you tell me it's because it's written in an old book, that's not good evidence. If other people wrote down that they think they had access to Satan because of their influence in reading an old book, that's not good evidence. If Satan is real and does real things, if he's laying obstacles and deceiving people, and he's uh, putting things in, in front of me that are changing my desires, that should be testable. And if it is not by design or because of non-existence, then I am in the right spot, which is not believing it's true. So I think, you know, hopefully this just puts an exclamation point on the fact that what we're trying to espouse is good skepticism. Do not believe in things if you don't have a good reason to. Thanks, everybody. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for skeptics and seekers, quite possibly forever. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, see you next football season. Take care. <laughs>